Thank you for listening to another episode of the Life After Swim podcast. This is part two with Jamie, the nutritionist. We'll be talking about body image, social media, and nutrition in life after sports. Now on to the show. So I would say like in swimming, like body image is a big thing like we were talking about before, especially like I feel like um, it's kind of like unsaid, like the swimmer is supposed to like look a certain way and like coaches might unintentionally compare like you to like what their ideal image of a swimmer was is that like across the board like body image issues and just female athletes in general I think they're you know I definitely think that that's a huge factor and I think female athletes in general are already kind of have to look a certain way like anytime they get their picture taken like they need to look pretty So like even having, you know, it's not a bad thing, but even having to put makeup on and being able to not show any like body rolls, you know, or show your visible abs or like your legs, which are powerful to like propel you through the water or to like kick a free kick and blast it up or 90, like that's powerful. And yet we still want to shrink our, you know, our thighs because you know, that's unacceptable in our society, you know? And so I think that female athletes have a tricky, they're, they're just in a tricky situation to perform at a high level, but also to be aesthetically pleasing, which I think is, you know, crap, but, you know, guys don't necessarily have, not that they don't struggle with this stuff, but they're not looked at in the same light um, for as much as female athletes. Right. And I like sometimes just log off of social media because it's like been kind of the toxicity of like body image with that. I just kind of like delete it sometimes and just forget about it. Do you have any advice for like how social media kind of impacts that? Yeah. uh, Get off of it. (laughs) Regularly (laughs) schedule time away. I don't do this as well because social media is how I attract my business. Um, but I do have to set good boundaries with that. I think the first thing that I tell all of my athletes uh, is to make sure that you are doing, it's, it's really the only detox that I am okay with. It's a social media detox and really just making sure that you're following people that, you know, don't look like you. They don't necessarily have the same beliefs that you do because social media can be a silo for just one-sided information. So I think making sure that you diversify your social media account, you're getting different types of messages. uh, You're unfollowing people that make you feel really bad about yourself. So if you are following people that you're like, I want to look like her, I want to perform like her, I want to you know, I want my thighs to look like her. That's a good indication that you need to unfollow that person and take a break and really evaluate why you're wanting to live up to these standards that may or may not actually be, you know, realistic for you. So I like following accounts that don't have any like bad diets, um, people that don't, you know, that look different than me, both in skin color and size, um, because you're going to get so much more out of it than just trying to attain, you know, social body standards. 
Yeah, I love that. Diversifying your social media is probably the best advice I've ever heard. Like, so helpful. Yeah. So kind of pivoting, like, towards a retired athlete, specifically swimmers, just what would you say, like, your biggest piece of advice for some of that kind of retired sport and is trying to, like, navigate uh, maybe, like, change in nutrition and just, like, working out and just the whole, like, different lifestyle change? Mm. Um, acknowledge that it's it's tough to make that transition. Um, it's not going, you know, you're not going to accept it overnight, but I think cultivating self-compassion is one of the biggest things that I have learned personally. And that I think really helps, um, athletes that are transitioning out of sport into, you know, regular life and still knowing that they're not any lesser of an athlete than they were in their, you know, their career, their the athlete mindset just shifts a little bit. Um, so I think making sure they're really cultivating um, self-compassion, starting to find ways that are maybe more joyful in movement. Uh, I know when I transitioned out of it, I struggled because I didn't recognize certain forms of movement as being like valid. I thought if I didn't break a sweat, if I didn't, you know, if I wasn't doing a two hour grueling workout, then it was absolutely utterly a waste of my time. And that mindset only just really hurt me. Um, so I think challenging the, the narrative of what it actually looks like to be an athlete and to take care of ourselves and what that, you know, what that looks like and knowing that your body is going to change. I think when you are changing from a strict training schedule, it can be really difficult to, you know, maybe see your body as like, well, I, I trained six, seven days a week, multiple hours a day, my body looks like this. And now I am working a full-time job. I am stressed and I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and I don't know, I don't have someone helping me anymore. And so there's just a lot of anxiety. I think getting help um, and help doesn't mean you need to have like psychiatric help, but I think that, you know, talking with a therapist, um, working with dietitians that specialize in that stuff can really help you to navigate that transition better. So many good points. I wrote down the all or nothing mentality because that is exactly what I do. Do you have like any advice for kind of, is there a way to break that before retiring, just like ease the transition into, so you just don't get into like the real world and kind of don't know what to do? Yeah. I wish I had learned that earlier. Um, I think I think what I do with my athletes now, because the age group that I work with them is middle school and high school. I have college kids too, but I want them to learn really what it's really get in tune with their body and, and understanding what it looks like to take rest days. Um, and I think when you, and, and forming that self-compassion a lot early on, and that takes, um, journaling it takes affirmations knowing that you are not you know your identity is not just in your sport there's other things that you like doing so I I would encourage people you know get outside of your sport do things that you you know start discovering what you like doing before it's done because when it's done is that's the hard part um and I think that when you 
can start to cultivate that self-compassion a lot earlier on, it makes that transition just easier. So whether that's, you know, getting a coach that works specifically in that, maybe a sports psychologist um, or, you know, kind of, I, I use like the balance app or the headspace app. That way you can start to do that. And it's a lot, I mean, it's a lot cheaper than using a sports psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> I just wrote diversify and that kind of remind me, so this goes more into the the psychology part of it, but diversifying who you are pretty much. It's kind of like, I have an identity in this. I'm like a daughter, I'm a friend and just having like a diverse identity instead of you're just like your sport and you're an athlete or you're a student. Yes. Like that, that I think is where a lot of athletes, it's like, it's hard to not picture yourself. I know I identified as a soccer player. Like that was all I thought about. And then when I tore my ACL my freshman year, I went into like, I experienced, I mean, I I have depression. So like when it, when it comes to experiencing that, like it was bad and it was just like, and when I look back on it, it, it centered around my identity was then taken away because I couldn't play anymore. So who was I like, who was Jamie when she wasn't playing? And I didn't get to explore that or I didn't allow myself to explore that because I was so firmly rooted in it's soccer and it's not like, I love soccer. I love the sport, but like, even now I don't, you know, latch onto it. Like I used to, because I know that it's not healthy for me. Even as a dietitian, I don't latch onto that because I'm not just that. Um, So it could be anything that you are involved in that we have to be careful about what we, how we identify as. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that your like identity isn't just a dietitian either. Cause that might be more common. Like we latch on to our sport when we're like mm-hmm. in college or whatever in high school. And then we get into the real world and we attach our identity to what we do for work. So just having like outside interests yeah. is so important. Yeah. It's yeah. It's awesome. Um, and you know, you don't get there overnight, but I think it's, it's, an important conversation to have just like kind of going into like being like in the real world you would say like do you have any advice for like people that are kind of like overwhelmed with cooking or meal prep or anything like that with cooking and meal prepping and planning and all that stuff like I think people may get overwhelmed maybe with what they see on Instagram you know people are like producing like you know 21 meals, you know, all seven breakfasts, all seven lunch, all seven dinner. And it's all the same. And they're like, is this what I have to do in order to like be healthy? And it's like, it should look different for everybody. So like, if you are getting overwhelmed, I would ask yourself, like, am I just trying to live up to a standard that I see on Instagram? Um, Because if this is causing me anxiety and overwhelm, then that's not realistic. And it's probably not something that's that is is something that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. If you're not enjoying it and it's not making your life easier and you're not enjoying your food, then like, I don't, I don't, I, I'm in the camp of don't do it. So, um, you know, sometimes I think that takes exploring, you know, am I going to make, you know, all of, am I the type of person that can eat the same breakfast every single day? I can. I can almost eat the same lunch every single day, except for maybe two. So I plan for two days of flexibility 
for my lunches, just in case I feel like, you know, today's the day I want to have Chick-fil-A or today's the day, like I'm going to go over to my parents and eat and dinner. I have a lot of flexibility. So I, I found that that's what works best for my current season of life. And knowing that that's going to change when I get into a busier season of life where I may need more convenience foods, or I may get like a meal prep service to help me. And then when I have a slower season, that's, that's maybe when I start to, you know, explore and cook a little bit more and knowing that that's going to fluctuate. Yeah. I love that. Being flexible is something we've had to learn the past year and a half. I think that applies to this too. Oh yeah, definitely. Just kind of going into like the supplement side there, we could have like a whole nother episode on this, but what, what is your opinion on like supplements and just doing the research before? Mm. Supplements are a highly unregulated area, like very, very highly unregulated. So it's like the wild, wild west. Um, It is a, at the time, I think it was like a $75 billion industry that's not regulated, which is kind of scary. Um, But the best way that, you know, athletes and, and athletes that are entering, you know, into retired life, making sure that first you are eating, like eating regular meals, supplements are just meant to supplement what you're currently doing. They're not meant to replace. They're not meant to um, be anything more than just a supplement. So you don't necessarily need it every single day. Um, Making sure that you're getting lab tested. Uh, So if you're working with a dietitian, make sure that, you know, if you're going to do a supplement, um, make sure you're talking with a dietitian that, you know, understands that you are either meeting your needs or aren't meeting your needs so that you can find one that works best for you. Um, and then making sure that you are hitting certain labels. So um, you want to make sure that on your uh, supplement, it says either one or multiple of these, but NSF certified for sport is a label that you want to see on your um, container. That is going to make sure that um, they're, you know, they do a, a banned substance screen and make sure that the claims are you know, the label um, claims are reviewed um, and are legit. Um, They make sure that things don't have contaminants in them. So NSF certified for sport. Um, You also want to see informed sport is another one that does um, substance screening. Uh, USP is another one. So there's certain labels that we need to be looking for because not everything that you um, are a lot of the stuff that is on the shelf is, is putting athletes up for, you know, risk of getting, you know, testing positive for a banned substance, which is really scary. I think you see, you probably see it more in like swimming and track and cross country things where you're going, you know, it's individual sports. It's harder for, you know, a soccer, you know, a soccer player on a team to be able to take something and for it to make such a difference. Um, so it's going to be in, in certain sports where, you know, it is maybe more individualized, um, or maybe like a relay team, that kind of stuff. Yeah. They make you like go to your, you're supposed to like go to your trainer before like taking any supplements. So there's, that's like a good point to make Mm -hmm. just to kind of like 
end with something fun, what would you say like your go-to holiday meal or Thanksgiving? So it already passed, but. Yeah, no, I love, um, so I, I just love food, um, everything about it. And so when I think about my favorite holiday meal, um, I think it's prime rib. I'm, I'm like a beef eater. So I could go with like a nice ribeye steak or like a prime rib. Um, and then really good mashed potatoes and then like have a nice horseradish, um, cream sauce and then just solid vegetables and then making sure I have like a chocolate pie. That's that Mm -hmm. to me is like solid. Do you have any cooking appliances that you go to since it's like the holidays, any gift ideas? Oh, I, I have a very small kitchen, so I am a small appliance gatherer, but I can't fit everything, but I love the air fryer has been super helpful. Um, just so I don't have to like turn on my oven and, and wait for it to cook, but, um, that a blender and then my instant pot. Awesome. Like, Very good ideas. Awesome. Yeah. They're all, and maybe I want to get it, but it's like a sous vide. Um, I want to do that, but I just don't have counter space. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Where can people find you to connect with you or just follow you for more if they have any questions? Yeah. So I am on a few social media apps, but Instagram, honestly, is probably going to be the best one. Um, I'm at soccer.nutritionist and, you know, I keep my DMs open. So anybody has any questions or is interested in working with me, I don't just work with soccer players. Um, it's just Instagram's the easiest way for me to talk about what I do. But, um, but yeah, I work with anybody and I love working with athletes. I love food and I love helping people. Thank you so much for being here. I I learned so much and I'm sure this will help my audience too. Definitely. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate um, all these questions and just the time to be able to talk with you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Life After Swim podcast. If you liked today's episode, be sure to like, leave a review, or subscribe so more people in this community can hear this. Until next time.